KTHK News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. Health officials report more than 7,800 new COVID infections. There's an alarming spike in the number of elderly suicide cases and more victims of human trafficking return home to Hong Kong. Health authorities have reported 7,835 new COVID cases, 170 of them imported. There were seven more COVID-related deaths. Health Minister Lo Chung Mao says the government is very concerned about the situation as the number of cases has pretty much doubled in the past two weeks. He said COVID patients aged 70 and above who haven't received at least two jabs will be sent to quarantine facilities. And from Sunday, people going to meal gatherings attended by eight or more people will need to show a negative rapid test result. Professor Lowe stressed that Hong Kong cannot live with the virus like other places. We have to learn from history. Uh, in the fifth wave, we do suffer a serious situation uh, with a high mortality. We have over 9,000 deaths and the whole public health care system is overwhelmed. So... I would urge you, anyone who said that we can easily live with the virus now as other countries, I would submit to say that I cannot agree with that. As a responsible government, we have to protect the health of our people. An infectious diseases expert has called on people to cut back on social activities, saying Hong Kong's daily COVID tally may top 10,000 next week. Dr Leung Chi Chu said, driven by the Omicron BA.5 variant, cases of the virus have been surging recently and hospitals will be coming under greater pressure. We would need to slow the spread of the virus at this moment and the most effective measures is of course voluntarily uh, attempt about our citizens uh, to decrease cause family, high-risk social gathering as much as possible. And the social distancing measures undertaken in Hong Kong are relatively mild. They do not by themselves help to uh, rapidly slow the spread of the virus. They only serve as a facilitator so that we will decrease the frequency of going out to all these high-risk situations. And if we can do it voluntarily, we will avoid drastic tightening of our social distancing measures. The Suicide Prevention Services has found that elderly suicide cases hit a record high last year and called the trend alarming. The 446 cases recorded last year made up 44% of Hong Kong's overall suicide cases. The group said according to figures from the coroner's court, the number of elderly people taking their own life has risen 56% in the past 10 years, with the trend accelerating in the past five years. The group's executive director, Vincent Ng, explained that strict social distancing measures have severely impacted the mental health of the elderly. According to our service experience, many elderly people feel lonely, feel being abandoned and cannot connect with their family members because of the social distancing and for the elderly they are facing aging problems especially their physical condition is getting worse they are facing chronic illness which make them feel very painful every day and cannot take care of themselves they cannot live with their dignity so many of our service clients feel meaningless to live on Mr Ng added that the suicide rate among elderly men was much higher than women, in line with the prevailing trend around the world. 
Security Secretary Chris Tang says more suspected victims of Southeast Asian trafficking gangs are on the way home and stressed that Hong Kong has sufficient laws to combat the crime. Mr Tang said authorities are now aware of 41 cases with 17 of the suspected victims still being held captive in Myanmar and Cambodia. The rest are either safe abroad or have returned to Hong Kong. The security chief added that six victims have returned to the SAR tonight. When asked to comment on calls for the introduction of dedicated legislation targeting human trafficking, he had this to say. Hong Kong is never a originated country or a transit place or a destination for um, human trafficking. And as a matter of fact, we have over 50 different um, offences which in different ordinance that uh, can handle situations relating to trafficking in persons. And actually, we have a very robust um, initial screening mechanism to try to identify if there is any person being uh, trafficked in Hong Kong or, or in or out of Hong Kong. So uh, we have either sufficient law and a robust system in handling if there is any um, trafficking activities in Hong Kong. You're listening to RTHK. The time is just after five minutes past 11. Power company CLP says a fluorescent light that caught fire was the most probable cause of a power cable bridge blaze in Yunlong in June that blacked out much of the northwest New Territories. Some 160,000 households in Yunlong, Tinsoiwai and Tunmun were plunged into darkness for hours as the entire cable bridge burned down and collapsed. Damon Pang reports. During a press conference to announce details of its final investigation report, CLP Managing Director Chiang Tongkang said a light near the Kwang Yip Street end of the bridge was the most probable trigger for the fierce fire. The most likely causes of the fire is the uh, fluorescent lights inside the cable bridge on the ceiling, which caught on fire first, and then it affected the communication cable underneath it, and the fire spread to the transmission power cable. Then the fire you know, spread across the bridge. Mr Chiang noted that the bridge had been in use for 30 years and had always functioned well, adding that such a blaze is extremely rare. CLP said during a regular inspection in November last year, technicians found everything in the facility, including the lights, to be functioning normally. Asked whether the fire was caused by someone forgetting to switch off the lights after the checkup, Mr Chiang said that's hard to determine. Unfortunately, as I just mentioned, because the fire was so fierce that night, most of the uh, equipment inside the cable bridge uh, were already damaged. So that's why it is very, very difficult to determine the status of the fluorescent lights before the incident. The report said the damage caused by the fire to the communication cables meant technicians couldn't resume power supply using remote control and some 150 technical staff had to be deployed for manual assessment and switching. Mr Jiang also pointed out that while there were two backup power systems for the area, one of them malfunctioned the day before the fire, so CLP could rely only on one system to get power back up. He said after the blaze, the power company had inspected and upgraded four similar bridges to avoid similar problems, such as changing the light tubes, painting fire retardant coatings and installing heat detection systems. CLP again apologised for the incident, saying it will start sending out $100 consumption coupons to affected households from the middle of next month. 
Environmental group Greener's Action says nearly 80% of banks and almost 50% of chain restaurants they visited provide what they described as unnecessary umbrella bags to patrons. The group visited banks and restaurants which have more than 60 branches during 14 rainy days in July and August. The project's lead researcher, Beatrice Sue, stressed these venues can prevent slippery floors without providing umbrella bags. The umbrella bags are cheap, so that's why the corporates would like to purchase the umbrella bags. The consumers think it's easy to take and it's no cost because it's free to take now. But I found that actually the banks and restaurants are providing other options, for example, like uh, the dryers and the carpets. In some of the cases, actually, they have coated the non-slippery coating on floor tiles. So it means that they have sufficient options for them to avoid the floor getting slippery. So we think that the umbrella bags are actually not that necessary at all. Mainland officials have warned that the autumn harvest is at severe risk because of continuing drought and heat waves in the south of the country. Water is being pumped from nearby provinces into the driest parts of China to try to rescue the crops. David Fishman from the Lantau Group told RTHK's Backchat program river levels were at record lows, hitting the production of hydropower. This is ordinarily the flood season, and the floods have apparently not come, or rather the rainy season has not come for a month and a half of what should be very good production time. As a result, I think you'll see low river levels for quite a while and low power coming out of hydroelectric dams for quite a while. As a result, for weeks or maybe even going into months, we might see some reduced capacity for hydro output in Sichuan. Meanwhile, the authorities in Pakistan have issued emergency warnings of severe flooding in the northwest of the country as the heaviest monsoon rains in decades continue. The southwestern city of Quetta has in effect been cut off, with key railway and road bridges washed away. These people there have been trying to clear debris from their homes. You can see these houses. Everything's been destroyed. All households, boxes, clothes, nothing could be saved. No one came here to offer sympathy. No government official came to us to ask whether we could save our children, our wheat or our livestock. Everything is being ruined. We are retrieving our belongings. Our bedding, cupboards and everything else is here. We're helping ourselves. We did not get anything except a tent. Portugal's government has declared a one-year state of calamity in the country's largest natural park because of devastating wildfires. The fires, triggered by the highest temperatures in a century, have consumed about a quarter of the Serra da Estrela range. The BBC's Alison Roberts has more. A survey of the physical damage and financial losses caused by the fires in the Serra da Estrela range is to take place in the next two weeks, with a view to rebuilding and replanting starting as soon as possible. With just a few small blazes now burning, the government has declared a state of calamity in the region at the request of local mayors, so speeding up the release of national and local funds for economic recovery and fire prevention. Similar surveys are to be carried out in other municipalities across the country that have seen at least one-tenth of their area burned this year. 
A caretaker prime minister has taken over in Thailand after the suspension of Priyat Chan-ocha. His deputy and close military ally, Pravitz Wong Su Wan, is now the country's leader. Mr Priyat was suspended earlier this week while the Constitutional Court decides whether or not he's exceeded the eight-year term limit. In his first comments since then, the general tweeted that he would continue to work in his secondary role as defence minister. But the post came from the official prime minister's account. Some of the world's largest travel companies have signed a statement urging the South African government to end trophy hunting. The firms, which include Booking.com, Expedia and TripAdvisor, say they want South Africa's tourism industry to be more wildlife friendly. To Sports Now, where organisers of the Hong Kong Masters Snooker Tournament say they're in talks with the government about a bubble arrangement for international players. Some of the world's top players, including world number one Ronnie O'Sullivan, as well as Judd Trump and Mark Selby, have accepted invitations to play in the four-day event at the Hong Kong Coliseum. Vincent Law is the chairman of the Hong Kong Billiard Sports Control Council. At this moment, the plan is to bring them in under a bubble. So they will not be allowed to go out freely, but they will be protected inside the bubble so that they don't have to sit through the four days or three days of quarantine in a hotel. Because that is one of the conditions that the World Snooker Tour imposed on us when we want to hold this event. If there is a quarantine, they will not allow their players to come to Hong Kong. Local favourites Marco Fu and Ng Onyi will also play in the tournament in early October. In badminton, Hong Kong's Tang Chun Man and Tse Ying Sut have been beaten in the mixed doubles quarterfinals at the World Championships in Tokyo. They battled Mark Lamsfuss and Isabel Lohau of Germany in three tough sets. The two sides split the first two sets before the German pair prevailed in the third and deciding set 21-19. Now to the English Premier League and for a look at some of the most anticipated matches this weekend, here's the BBC's John Wilkinson. Manchester United have the chance to build on their surprisingly impressive showing against Liverpool when they take on Southampton in the weekend's opening game. Their big money signing from Real Madrid, Casemiro, could make his debut. As for Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp will be hoping that playing at Anfield against Bournemouth can turn around a dreadful start to the season so far. Is it the injuries, a hangover from last season's disappointment, or just learning to live without Sadio Mane? Chelsea were knocked by their comprehensive defeat to Leeds in the last game. They host Leicester, hoping for far, far better. Whilst the all-conquering Manchester City did drop points against Newcastle, Crystal Palace come to the Etihad and should expect a backlash. Only Arsenal have won three out of three. They take on Fulham. What a brilliant signing Gabriel Jesus looks already. They've been so confident in their start, in fact, that they've let Nicolas Pepe join Nice on loan. In a quiet week for transfers getting over the line, that was eye-catching, given his €85 million Euro price tag three years ago. Brentford against Everton and a clash between the informed Brighton and Leeds round out the day's fixtures. On Sunday, Aston Villa take on struggling West Ham. Wolves have got the ever-improving Newcastle. And Antonio Conte's competitive-looking Tottenham go to Nottingham Forest. To the weather forecast, mainly fine with a minimum temperature of about 28 degrees. Very hot again tomorrow with a top temperature of about 33 degrees in urban areas, a few degrees even higher in the new territories, and there will be isolated showers. The outlook very hot with sunny periods in the next few days, but a few showers in the middle and latter parts of next week. Currently, the observatory 29 degrees Celsius, humidity 82%, and please be advised the very hot weather warning is still in force. News and sports. RTHK.
Eddie Floyd and Steve Cropper Knock on Wood Of course Amy Stewart had a great disco version of that There's also an Otis Redding Carla Thomas did the version of Knock on Wood as well Thanks for tuning in We're into hour two this Friday night of our Magical Mystery Talks 